0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Second Stage. We have a very, very, very special show for you today. And uh, Jeff, do you know why it's so special
2: today? Why is it so special, Brendan?
1: You and I haven't been in the office in so long. This has got to be like the first time we've uh, co-whatever we do to this show uh, together in about about what, six, seven years, best I figure.
2: Yeah, and I think our listeners appreciate it, actually.
1: Yeah, I do too. I do too. <laughs> I do too. What was more amazing is our last show, uh, I, uh, I didn't get a whole lot of words in because our, our, our uh, guest was uh, just absolutely fantastic. Lots and lots of great uh, comments, thoughts, uh, so forth. Dave Moore. Uh, who was yeah. that guy that guy has got some energy Jeff that guy's got some energy
2: well uh, he he uh, was talking about disruptive leadership if, if I recall
1: yeah it was disruptive leadership and he, he had a very um, kind of a diverse uh, you know kind of uh, background and uh, it was fun to walk through how he kind of ended up in the uh, in the disruptive leadership um, motivational speaking world you know from plane wrecks to uh, entrepreneurship to uh uh being in the military to flying uh, military uh, missions uh, quite a uh, quite a background jeff a little more than you and i probably got done during that phase of our our lives you know what i
2: mean one of those he does before
1: 9 a.m and we do all day kind of things but, but we do stay up late at night drinking red
2: bull so that that yes. kind of goes anyways but yes, it's very exciting do. to
1: have you have us both on the same uh, call here jeff that's uh very yeah. uh, very exciting
2: and we do have another exciting show today. The episode is "Create a Culture to Attract and Retain Your Talent." And today's guest on our show is Shiraz Kulkarni, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of, among other things, Insightfully. Um, he will share his experiences in not only attracting talent but creating a culture for retention. Uh, people in the biggest people are the biggest asset of any company, and are key in both establishing and growing your business. And as uh, our One of our favorite authors, uh, Patrick Lencioni, states in his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, if you could get all the people in an organization rowing in the same direction, you can dominate any industry in any market against any competition at any time. And on this episode, we will discuss the importance of establishing company values even before hiring your first team member. Wow. Well. Yeah. So Shirag is is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I had mentioned insightfully, uh, but he's also the chief executive officer of C&M Group, which is uh, a group that really focuses in on entrepreneurial strategy for both startups and Fortune 500 companies and um, and uh, he is currently advising uh, two companies, Ace Abroad Inc., uh, an education tech company in Claremont, California, and Sniply uh, in Ontario, California. I have to have him share a little bit more about uh, what attracts him to each one of these particular particular uh, companies because it sounds to me uh, that he has a lot of opportunity and can spend his time where he chooses so I'll be anxious to understand why he gets attracted to some opportunities and not others but brendan go ahead sorry well, just,
1: go ahead the one the one company insightfully it's a predictive analytics company focused on tapping into 99% of individuals that people don't stay in touch with on a yearly basis well, I need that, Jeff. That would be uh, – I don't even know what that means, but I'm pretty sure I need it.
2: Uh, I agree. Does it include like work-life balance stuff like communicating with your wife and kids? Wow, that would be an extra bonus, wouldn't it? Holy
1: smokes. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> I can't, if he could
2: have I, that, I, every entrepreneur on
1: earth would sign up for that business. I can't wait to talk to Shrug. That's <laughs> going to be awesome. You know what? Let's just, let's just go with it. Let's assume it, it does all that for us. That's fantastic.
0: Wonderful.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Jim, uh, be- I, did, did I tell you something else? I know. I, I know you're going to find it. This is going to be a little bit of a kind of a not something we talked about. But I did a lot of drive in the last two weeks, and I tried um, the uh, Red Bull Cherry uh, Zero and the Red Bull Orange. And I got to be honest with you, big cherry fan, big big really? cherry fan. I you can't find it in the small can so you got to drink the big can and sometimes that sends you you know you're kind of off a little bit but very be- i just thought I'd share that with you. I know that's important to this fi- we share vital information with our listeners and that's some vital information.
2: Well, it, it is because we're always trying to bend time here at uh, Evolution and if we can get over 24 hours a day in one day, uh, I think we've probably nice. discovered something new and our avenue for doing that is is, is ready. Red bull so i was glad to hear the the cherry red bull is uh is uh sugar-free that's important
3: it's zero, you,
2: zero you,
1: calories i mean where this is yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: that, I'm, that, I'm, oh, I'm we maybe having some technical difficulties here because i'm kind of hearing partial words and partial things but what i think i hear you saying is i'm a genius
2: <laughs> I was, and I was glad that you were my guinea pig on the orange one because you said it tasted like gasoline. Well, like kind of bad medicine. It was like that medicine – that's just that really kind of gnarly medicine.
1: It probably didn't help that I waited to drink it until it was really warm, but set that part aside. But uh, anyways yeah. – Back yeah, to helping yeah. our uh, our listeners, Jeff. I apologize. But we are helping.
2: We are helping our listeners. This is important information for them. Um, so before I get any further, I want to remind everybody that we are on. Um, we have our own little hashtag here, and I'm gonna. I, I always sh- am able, uh, in my own way, expressing my age and being slightly out of touch. But I'm gonna s- do this anyway. Hashtag the second stage. That's T H E. 2ND stage please uh, join the conversation there uh, we also have our, our twitter handle at, at evolution underscore cp uh, and you can join the conversation um, uh, on our blog at evolutioncp.com and also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com so we got all kinds of avenues. And Shirag actually, uh, in one of his blogs, uh, talked about how he increased his, uh, his Twitter following by like 29,000%. So we should ask him how to do that. I suppose you have to be saying somewhat intelligent things to get people to, to follow you. It's just an assumption. I don't know that that's correct, but I'm, I'm going to assume that that's the case. Jeff,
1: I was just going to ask you how you calculate a twenty nine hundred percent increase because that's uh, that seems a no, big number. twenty nine nine thousand.
2: All right, let's down. see. That's
1: even. That's even more. See, that was like uh, the IRR right. in like our last investment, wasn't it? That was very close. Just a, just a little <laughs> off. A little off.
2: <laughs> I'm rounding up. I'm rounding yeah. up <laughs> to the nearest twenty eight hundred twenty eight so thousand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but as always, before you get much farther, I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog, which I had mentioned before at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs and as I said before, you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. And you can follow the conversation at hashtag the second stage. That's T H E 2 N D stage. Um, and I always want to thank our uh, sponsor, McLadry. Uh, they're a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services. Folk- on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 US cities. And with that, we're going to come back with our guest Sharag Kolkarni, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Insightfully and CEO of C&M Group. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the second stage.
0: what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance.
0: Tax. Consulting. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joke All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk.
2: Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. Like any forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. And we invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. You can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, I've got our guest. Shirag uh, Kolkarni, a Spheral Entrepreneur co-founder of Insightfully and CNM and m Group uh, on the line. Welcome to the second stage, Shirag.
5: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: It is it is our pleasure. We love uh, having successful entrepreneurs on the phone, uh, on the show, and who are able to share their uh, Credentials with us and then share some of their their experiences to help other entrepreneurs kind of move as quickly as they can through, uh, you know, the many difficult stages of of starting a company. So thanks for being on the show. So, so, Sharag, you, you've done quite a bit, and as if your, your picture is, uh, is fairly recent, you're a hell of a lot younger <laughs> than me, and you've accomplished a great deal <laughs> in a short amount of time. It would be great if you could just kind of walk us through kind of how you got involved in, in entrepreneurship and, and what kind of keeps you going every day. Sure.
5: So uh, from a very young age, my dad always told me to not work for anyone. And that's like, uh, it was very foreign to me, right? Because I always thought that you always work for someone. You always get up, go to work, report to somebody. But I didn't really know what that meant. Um, luckily enough, I was able to stumble across uh, the program in the Blue Valley North, uh, or Blue Valley School District in Kansas where I grew up. And it was called CAPS. And so at a very young age, I started reading Harvard Business School case studies. This was 14, 13, 14 years old. And that that exposure from such a young age is really what got me interested and exposed to entrepreneurship. Um, that's kind of where the ball started running, you know, rolling, I guess I should say, from there. Um, started getting involved in different businesses and, and just really looking for problems and what problems I could solve and that's how they turn into businesses. The most natural way I think they turn into build businesses.
2: And so, so what was some of your, your earlier uh, problems that, that you were able to identify and then solve through starting companies?
5: Yeah. So first company was STR. So STR was um, a company that was focused around low cost, high quality racket stringing, so tennis racket stringing. So, um, it's funny because I was a big tennis player, I still am, and we had some pretty impressive tennis players in our district. Like one of them being Jack Sock, who he's top fifty in the world right now uh, on the tour, which is very impressive, and he's super young too. So there was a high concentration of tennis racket player tennis tennis players, and a lot of people knew the racket string, and I was paying anywhere from fifty to seventy five dollars for racket string, and it was a lot of money, right, for somebody who's super young and and that's kind of where I, I got a racket stringer, just started stringing rackets, figured out, well, you know, I have this problem, but so do all of my friends, you know, all of my teammates, everybody in the Kansas City area. And so that's kind of where I dealt into the B2C market. Um, so that was an example of solving a problem, right, the, a fundamental problem that people had in, in, the, in the market. Um, and then we kind of, you know, branched out to B2B. So take large companies like Dick Sporting Goods, Sports Authority, they all want to offer the service, but they can't afford it. Meaning that they actually lose money doing it because of overhead. So they would outsource out to us. Um, and again, that was a problem that they experienced that we solved just by solving the fundamental problem of rapid stringing is too expensive. It's done by people that aren't tennis players. So that's an example of STR um, that I got involved with. The, I guess it's more of an application um, called Mingle, which actually failed miserably. And that was <laughs> Everyone's got one. Yeah, you know, no, you you have to have some. I, and I actually didn't talk about my first venture. So this is when I was really young. Uh, I really wanted to own my own jet, and I'm not there yet, but uh, hopefully on my way. <laughs> and uh, I I got into that's affiliate big marketing. Money. And what? What was that?
1: No, I said I said a jet. That's big money. Uh, I like it. I like thinking yeah. big. Right, that's right.
5: good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that didn't work, and so I guess that was my technically first field venture. Um, then STR worked out pretty well. Mingle was focused around you go into a networking event. A lot of times you have to scramble to find the right people you want to connect with. So we basically pulled in all this data from events before you go there, so that you know who to strategically connect with. So I can send a mingle request to somebody who's a, a you know a developer, versus me going and saying, "Oh, Brad, oh, great. All right, you're a business developer." Not really interested. Or Chris, you, you work in marketing. I'm not really interested in looking for, you know, a developer. So that, that was a business. failed for a variety of reasons that I can get into, but I think one of them mainly being culture. Um, and I think that was really where I started understanding more about culture, you know, why it's important. Um, then my next company was a company called CNM. So I was kind of figuring out what's my next move after STR. Uhm, also mingled failing. And I just started helping out different companies, again, not intentionally thinking that I could turn it into a business, but I realized, again, the value proposition that I had in comparison to other um, consultants is that I had operating experience, right? And I think fundamentally consultants that, you know, come out straight out of school or whatnot, a lot of them think that they know how to run a business. But if you haven't run a business, haven't experienced growth pains or What do you do if you have no revenue? How do you scale users? Whatever those problems are, it's hard for you to implement solutions. Um, And that was the fundamental reason why I started CNM. We've been pretty successful. um, Clients like Berkshire Hathaway. And we focus mainly on growth and new product innovation in these companies. Um, So it was exciting. Had a great time doing it. Still doing it here on the side. Um, And then now, most recently, Insightfully. So Insightfully is focused around Kind of, I would call it like Mingle 2.0. So Mingle didn't work, um, but we took the next stage from Mingle. So once you go from actually engaging with somebody and adding them to your social network, most people fizzle out and they never contact that person ever again. Right? And, and we like to say that social networks are great repositories of humans, but do a terrible job in engaging them. So we actually use predictive analytics and cross-platform search to figure out how you can add value to people in your social networks. So, for example, I am, you know, I write for VentureBeat, Huffington Post, and a few other places, um, and so I'm able to figure out. Great, okay, Bob posted via social nine times about something. Um, because he's in my network, I'll get an insight saying that hey, Bob posted these things. Introduce him to your editor at VentureBeat. So it's a, it's a value-driven way for us to stay connected versus me saying hey, Bob, how are you? which is very intrusive. So that's where we're kind of going with insightfully. Well, that'd
1: that'd be great. Even if I just think about you, think about how hard it is to find advisors and and board members for our our partner companies. It's just, it's, you know, it's hard to remember people's expertise when you meet so many people. Hey, do me tell me, um, Shrag, you know most people it takes them a while to 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 kind of figure out and quite frankly a lot of people never get there but most people it takes them a long time to figure out that that aha moment of business best practices and values and so forth can you share that aha moment or did you have an aha moment when you
5: realized how important that stuff was um so i think the aha moment luckily didn't come a lot of the times through failures but just surrounding yourself by people that are you know, a few steps ahead of you. And it doesn't mean you have to engage with them necessarily, but just watching a ton of YouTube videos. And that's like the best thing about the 21st century, right? We don't have to go to an event at South by Southwest. You can sit at home and watch a lot of these events and learn from people's teachings, right? So I, I used to watch talks by Guy Kawasaki, Seth Godin, whatever I was interested in and just learning from them. And I think also the aha moments come when you're just operating because you will screw up, right? I mean... It's, I've never met anyone that hasn't messed up once because the majority of the times those people aren't successful, right? The North Coast law has this great saying that says that he's the biggest failure because but he's also the greatest success because he's failed so many times. Um, so I think for me, it's also the amount of failures that I've experienced and they don't have to be direct business failures but just bumps along the road that teach you lessons learned so you don't implement those same mistakes in your next business.
1: But how did you get? How did you get exposed to the concept of having a core value, or or the you know the importance of of people in a business, um, you know, in the processes and so forth? And some things we'll get into in a, in a minute, but because it, it just seems to me, you know, obviously, you're, you know, we Jeff and I are blessed. We get to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs every every day and every week and every year, and it just seems like that that aha moment of realizing that. The, There's something bigger than just getting on that treadmill and running hard. And um, it's it's just, it seems to be a hard thing for a lot of people to see.
5: Do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I would say that most people, I like to say that before you start a company, you should outline your vision and what your culture looks like before you actually build your product. Um, Because I think Jack Dorsey, this is from a talk that I actually heard, Jack Dorsey actually says that your vision is what you're hiring people for, not to build a product. And so that was one, I guess, aha moment that I had while watching one of his talks. There's another company based out of California called Kissmetrics, and they talk about how their retention is super high, and it's because they invest in their culture. So it's not fancy offices. It's about what do their employees care about and what can you to tap into their core, um, which is what core value should be composed of. So I think those are two major... Um things that I remember being quote unquote aha moments. And then just also actually at STR and now I'm thinking um it's mostly a labor intensive business, right? So the people we're trying to hire are, you know, younger younger people that are more on the labor end. So you're not billing at rates like consulting, but you're billing at, you know, twenty five bucks, you know, a racket. Which which means that you have to pay someone, you know, seven, eight, you know, nine dollars. And I used to get really upset at people, and I used to fire pretty quickly. And that's something that I learned again that you have to invest in your people, right? And that culture component came out. And I think what I learned is that people don't want to work for people that are brutal to them and just quote unquote assholes, right? Um, And I think that was also another aha moment from operating that I learned through STR.
2: So, uh, I, I guess in, in self-reflection, did you change not only your hiring practice, but how you operated, you know, within your own organization to make sure that people weren't turned off by, by, uh, you know, bad temper or anything like that?
5: Yeah. So actually what I didn't mean to actually what happened, you know, luckily I think a lot of things in life just happen based on, you know, situations that you don't even think of, you know, so, so one of the things that happened is I actually started meditating, and I started something called heartfulness meditation. And from there, I started getting deeper and deeper into self-realization and just figuring out is what I'm doing really at the very basic level something that they teach you when you're in third grade. Am I treating people the way that they want to be treated? And I think we look to people like Steve Jobs or you know all all the people that are just brutal to their employees are known to be. That, that that's the way to manage, but it, it comes down to there's many different management styles and just what works best for you. So I'm not inherently somebody that's brutal to, to people. So why am I acting like that in a management perspective? But I learned that through meditation and through introspection. So that's, that's probably the answer to how I got over that temper tantrum <laughs> type thing. And I used to always get upset occasionally here and there. I think meditation also helped with that as well. So so uh, just to, uh,
2: a question I had had earlier, so it might be a little off track from what we've been talking about, is what yeah. companies are you attracted to today? I know that CNM Group and uh, is really focused on growth and innovation. Is, is that the only thing, or are there other things that attract you to certain engagements?
5: Um, I, th- I think it's important to look at companies that a lot of the times – you know, have those, those core fundamental beliefs. So I've also learned the hard way that you can't just work with companies just because they're paying you money, right? It comes down to the way that they treat their employees because a lot of the times you can tell if, if they're treating their employees badly, then they're probably going to treat consultants not as well either, you know? So that's a huge um, thing that I look at and a thing that I learned So, you really can't chase the money. You have to chase, you know, quality um, clients as well.
2: Got it, and so what you're saying, I guess, and trying to interpret that is is kind of uh the, the the core values and and uh you know the way you're analyzing an employee is you use the same metrics really to to measure potential clients as well
5: yeah, 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 because I think you work best with people that you are like in a sense right to to an you know from from a values perspective. So if I have a certain value structure and I'm working with a client with a complete opposite value structure, that can be at Intuitly or CMM or any company. Um, I find that there's a lot of friction and a lot of the times you're not able to execute on the ways that both parties would like to execute on. Um, but if you find people that you know their their culture or their values align, a lot of times it works out better. I, I even think of it, you know, on a very basic level like relationship. Right. I mean, you, whether it be, you know, a romantic one or not, you generally get along best and you have longer lasting relationships with people that have the same value structure as you do. So identifying that, I think, get you know, lets you jump forward and, and not worry about stuff that you need to worry about with, with people that don't have the same value structure.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, frankly, Brendan and I in Evolution use a uh, we have a series of questions that we ask to determine whether or not this person, this organization's core values match our core values, which we think makes us a more combative combat, combat- compatible, excuse me, compatible partner uh, than than just, you know, trying to help them with their business. I mean, there has to have that deeper connection uh, if you're going to be effective working partners, particularly through sometimes very stressful uh, growth periods uh, in these organizations. Yeah, 100%.
5: Especially, I think, in venture capital where you go through, you're you're partners in these companies, right? I mean, you have capital in these businesses. You want to return, but... If it comes down to that investment in that other person as well, and that those values are aligned, you probably won't get the same return or give them as much value as you would hope for, you know. Sure, sure.
2: Uh, we are on the, on the phone here with Sharag Kolkarni. Uh, he can be found on Twitter at C-H. I R A G underscore K U L K A R N I, and he also has his own website, www.sheraldkokarni.com. That's C H i r a g k u uh, l k a r n i dot We're going to take a short break here in the second stage. When we come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, you know the culture and uh, to attract or retain talent within your organization. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage.
4: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us
3: surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry.
0: Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second
2: Stage. Like any forum, this show will be more effective and powerful. Folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion for each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. You can also contribute to the conversation live with uh, hashtag the hashtag Stage, and also uh, follow our uh, Twitter feed at, at evolution underscore cp. Uh, we are here with our guest, Shirag Kulkarni. He can be found at, at Shirag underscore Kulkarni. Uh, we talked in the first segment, Shirag, about um, your kind of credentials as an entrepreneur and your ups and your downs and so on and so forth. And yeah, I thought that uh, maybe we'd spend this segment uh, drilling down a little bit more in, you know, how how you uh, are building culture within your organizations and more specifically as co-founder of Insightfully. Sounds good. So, uh, maybe kind of walk us f- f- through through uh, your, your, what you learned from Mingle and your, your recognition that, that uh, you know, the hiring practices need to, to, to start from the beginning to build that culture and, and then how you've worked that into uh, building out insightfully.
5: Yeah. So, I'll tell you just very briefly why Mingle didn't succeed. Why I think it didn't succeed. I think the first reason is when you're hiring, you have to look for people that have different skill sets. So even with STR, um, we started off with me and my co-founder, still one of my best friends to this day, but we had the same skill set. And I think fundamentally it makes it hard to execute, and that was probably one of the problems with Mingle, too, is that we had you know, four people that were all business development slash CFO-esque people. Um, and then two developers. And if you're building a technology company, I really think that your technology should be uh, depending on how complex it is, but initially early on, the technology needs to be emphasized more than the business side. Um, so that was one problem that we had. Uh, but I think fundamentally it just came down to we just our, our values and our, our cultural components in the line. I think part of that was because we both or we all did Startup Weekend and that's when we launched Mingle. Um, so some of us, you know, we valued different things. So I valued, you know, startups and, and growth and marketing. Some of us valued, you know, family work, work, life balance. And so it makes it really hard to execute as a team if everyone's values are all across the board, you know? Um, so that was probably one of the main reasons that Mingle did fail. Got it. And so, uh, what,
2: how do you, for lack of a better word, tease that out in in your process with hiring for Insightfully? Uh, are there certain questions? Is there a certain protocol or process that you work through to, to address that concern or issue?
5: Yeah. So, I'll tell you what I did specifically to hire, um, I guess you'd call him the, the co-founder, one of the co-founders of Insightfully, Ajay. So, I actually went through and went on AngelList and looked through about 60, 65 people that I just reached out to saying like, hey, this is what I'm building. Would you be interested? And I, I talked to people from all over the world. I talked to people from Chennai, people from San Francisco, uh, Shanghai, uh, just about, you know, what they're all about. And I think you can tell one of the, one of the best questions that I like asking is, what did you build in high school? Because for me, we want to, we, we don't want to be, you know, a culture that you come to work, you clock in at nine and leave at five. We want to be people that are consistently working on personal projects. That's one of our cultural values. So everyone has to invest in personal and professional growth. And we, as co-founders, help outline that for our employees. So, specifically here, uh, Ajay gave a really good answer. He talked about how he worked with the Intel Science Competition and, you know, went up pretty quickly in the ranks there. He built this, this application online for, for poker tournaments. So he, he seemed like somebody that was consistently building. And I think a lot of the times you ask them, you know, why insightfully? And I have an idea of specifically what we're trying to build. But a lot of the times people are saying, oh, you know, the utilization of, of social networks or social data is really powerful. That's why we want to be on board. But if that doesn't align with what I want to do. Uh, it makes it really hard to execute on the same level. Or even when it comes to one of the questions I like to ask is we get a $20 million acquisition offer, you know, what, what do we do? Do we accept it? Do we decline it? And what I was looking for, it depends, right? Um, But the, a lot of the people that I felt I wouldn't have wanted to work with are people that are very, very set on, you know, let's get acquired for $20 million. But for me, like I'm not building the company to get acquired I'm building the company to solve a problem. So having the answer of it depends would have been a better direction for me to take or for, for them to say to me because that would align with my values. And, and you guys know better than I do is that when it comes to co-founders, you need to have the same vision in regards to where this company is going to go. Otherwise, you have vision disalignment, then, you know things fall apart. And that's probably the number one reason why companies do fail. Um, so those are probably three big questions that I like asking.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to uh, point our guests to a blog that I've, you wrote uh, in May of 2014 titled How I Hire. It is on your website, com, And uh, there is some criteria that you listed here that you look for uh, that I thought was really terrific. And one of them was drive. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about why you think that was uh, 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 such a vital
5: um, characteristic that you were looking for? Yeah. So I I like to tell people that I don't like to manage people. I like to lead people. Um, And I think as, as, you know, CEOs or, or C levels at companies, you have to be in that position where you're not telling people what to do. You're showing people like, this is the way we'd like to do it, what do you think, and get their input, and letting them take the initiative. So I think fundamentally, especially in the startup, you know, we're not looking to hire people that want, you know, we tell them, do this, do this, do this. We want people to say, you know, we, want people, we want to tell them, do this, do this, and do this, and then have them come back and say, well, what about this? And, and let me do these three things, and I disagree with you here. So that's showing you know, that this person has drive, and it kind of goes back to that first question of, what did you build in high school? Because I think that that fundamentally goes back to what were they like at their core. And sure, people do change, and, and I'm not saying that question is universally uh, accurate, but a lot of the times you can figure out, does that person really have drive? And, um, or do they have you know, what it takes to fit in with the culture, what we want to build that insightfully, specifically, or what I think drive should look like? And then uh, the next
2: one was passion which I think is a great, you got to have passion because, uh, you know, the pay isn't always there.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say for the first, uh, there's a, there's a great quote, by I think his name is Mahal Mehta. he's, um, he's the founding, uh, partner at, I think it's called, uh, some, some venture capital firm in New York. I can't remember exactly what it's called. It'll come to me. He basically says that, are you willing to build up this company? For the next 10 years. And again, most people would say no, right? But if you have so much passion, it doesn't matter whether you get a paycheck or not, you'll grind it forward. And I think for startups, what most people don't realize if it's the first startup is that it's really hard, right? There's only a certain amount of people that are successful, and they're successful for a reason. Um, so if you don't have that passion, I found that you fizzle out. I mean, it's practically what happened during affiliate marketing, right? I was so focused on buying a jet. Didn't happen, but. I also couldn't do it. I couldn't compete. <laughs> I love <with> you. that. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear, people tell,
1: hear me, tell me,
0: tell
1: me, tell me how you obviously drive and passion. I mean, obviously, we. How do you? How do you measure for that? How, I mean, how long does it take to for you to when you're interviewing somebody to determine if they have the the drive and passion? Maybe share some of the stories of, of you know how you've been able to uncover some of those things.
5: Yeah. So I can probably figure out in five minutes whether somebody passionate about what they're doing. And it comes down to just just like soft things. You can't, I think it's hard to say, you know, this person is 95% passionate about insightfully or this person is 25% passionate about insightfully. You can tell by based on their actions, the decision-making that they made, whether or not this person is really passionate about what they're doing. So it's like, you know, based on their situation that's occurred, you know, are they, did they just graduate and they're looking for something to do and so they joined a company Maybe they didn't realize that that's what they're passionate It depends on, like, their story. So I, I would meet people that would say, yeah, I'm working on Facebook, working on the mobile team here, and uh, I really want to work for Insightfully. So that connection doesn't really exist, or it's hard for me to see that as quickly. Um, but there are some people that say, yeah, I, I did, like Ajay, for example, that said that, you know, I'm super interested in predictive. I'm super interested in what the power we, we can do with social data. Um, and he did research at the MIT Media Labs. So you can tell that, that this person, regardless of whether he wants to join the company or not, is just passionate about, about what we're doing, you know? So that's probably an example, a specific example, or even sometimes I'll get people, like there's, there's a company out of Boston, um, it's called Appcues, And I remember Jonathan telling me that his co-founder just wanted to help. And his co-founder started writing blog posts and just helping Jonathan that's a very great indicator of passion. And a lot of the times you can find people that just want to help you and don't ask for anything in return you say, look, I'm just looking to help. And then you bring them on board because you can already find out that they're passionate about what you're doing. And if they're able to provide value, then the majority of the times they'll be able to push through a lot of the stuff that happens in startups in general, right? Um, that's kind of how I think specifically we've been able to identify passion.
2: That, that's a that's a good good uh, depth there on passion and drive. But what about uh, the third thing you put in the third item you put in this uh, blog post? How I hire, posted in May of 2014 uh, on your website, was humanistic qualities.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is super important. I mean, especially being back in software now, you're working with people that you're working with a lot of developers, and I think a lot of the times developers are very you know. Just, just put your head down, code in whatever language you have to code in, and ship. Which is a great quality to have. But I think having that humanistic element to it. So, one thing that we have a strong focus on and insightfully is customer development and customer support. So we haven't shipped the product itself. Like we haven't released the private beta. We'll be releasing that at the end of the summer, but. The humanistic quality comes into interacting with our customers, right? Or interacting with our users and getting feedback and improving the product and, and maximizing for not only happy, customer happiness, but customer retention. What, what does it take? I think that comes down to being humanistic, right? So, again, not coming in and just putting your head down and working, getting your check every week and going home, um, but, but having that humanistic quality. I think I also talked about briefly personal growth. So I think, you know, going back to the Metrics example, if you can invest in somebody to their core, which a lot of the times is their personal issues, problems, I think a lot of people think that you leave your problems at home and come to work. I really don't think so. I think that I want my employees to bring their bring their problems to me so I can help strategize with them because I know that if I can impact them that way, they're more likely to retain at our company because I've invested in them personally. Paychecks, I think after some point, doesn't matter how high they go, people will always leave for, you know, higher paychecks. But if you care about someone, the chances that they're actually going to stay are going to be much greater.
2: I, I, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, hiring people that share your core values, you know, kind of facilitates the exchange that you're wanting to have with, with your, your employees. Uh, the, the fourth item here that you've got is critical thinking skills, which obviously is, is key in a fast paced environment, but tell us a little bit more about how you, how you uh, qu- question people about this or figure that out.
5: So I think critical thinking. So one thing I'm known for when I interview people is just going super deep into topics so somebody telling me about you know, the time that they uh, you know, built the software, like, I would ask them, like, yeah, why did you build that software? Why didn't you do, the, do, do these things to the software? Or I'll even bring in a case of what we're going on. So I remember with Ajay, before I even said, like yeah, like, I would love to work with you and you can come on as a co-founder. I said, all right, tomorrow, come back and tell me what are the five pieces that we need to work on or what will you be working on in the next six months? six months. And he came back with it and he came back with, you know, these are the five topics that I think that we need to focus the most on. These are the six execution points that we need to do in the next six months to be successful. And, you know, here are four things that we should add to culture um, moving forward. So that's testing. And then there, so great, they have the six things. Anybody can do that, but now it's about questioning, you know, why did you do this? Or why are we adding search and not just predictive to Insightfully's platform? And then hearing their thought process behind why they're doing certain things. Or one of our co-founders, Jeannie, I remember before we hired her, she came on board and said, you know, why don't you have a rating score to make sure that Insightfully isn't a sales, you know, selling platform, but a value-driven, like, let's help each other platform. Um, so those little things, I think, test critical thinking, you know, and and just challenging the person. And it's okay if there's a little bit of pushback because, that, that's when you break the barrier, right? I think interviews can be very awkward sometimes, but if you can get, again, get to their core on a psychological level and really get at why they're doing what they're doing and test their critical thinking skills that way, I think that works very well.
2: So are you more interested in their logic flow, if you will, than, the, than their ultimate answer?
5: Yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. I, I'm more interested in how adaptable they're going to be with their answer. So if I say, oh, but what about this? How does that change their the six month plan, right? Uh, or right. if I, I say, all right, you're going to add the rating score to Insightfully's platform, but why? You know, what do you think about these three things that could, that could be an inhibitor for, you know, acquiring customers, whatever it may be, and yeah. what their yeah. thought process is like? That's really important.
2: And then and then the fifth item is morals, which obviously gonna, should go unsaid, <laughs> but why don't you go a little bit deeper into morals?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really simple. You know, if you're trying to build a company, not just for the long term, but if there's certain things that you do differently, I think, when you're looking long term versus short term, um, that can be anywhere from pay, you know, when is the right time to take pay for a co-founder, but, but just, you know, there's a lot of things I mean, I can go into this, um, you know, where, what you're doing behind the scenes. So what data you're collecting, what are you doing with that data? Uh, There's a lot of things that go into morals, especially for software companies. And there's a ton of examples of, you know, accusations about what companies are doing. Like, I think Uber has multiple, right, about, them, you know, taking software and figuring out who's been having one night stands with each other, right? Like, that's just, I don't want to say morally corrupt, because that's their culture. That's what the the press has said, is that that's what their culture is. Um, But... You know I think morals are really important again, if you can go back and see in their past what did they do, why did they do it, and what does that show about their morals
2: right right.
5: That's good stuff.
2: Uh, unfortunately, Shiraz, we are out of time here and we've got to take uh, another break here on the second stage, but we've, uh, we're have we here with our guest, Shiraz Kulkarni, uh, talking about creating a culture to attract and retain talent in your organization. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his uh, uh, websites and Twitter feeds, but we're going to have to take a quick break here. But thank you for being on the show, Shiraz, and uh, uh, look forward to continuing to follow your blog and, and your Twitter feed and and continue to learn from uh, your wonderful experiences. Uh, thanks for tuning thanks in to the, the second to stage. Me.
1: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard
3: Time. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business, the same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
0: To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Thanks for coming back here on The Second Stage. We just had a really good conversation with our guest, Chirag Kulkarni, about creating a culture to attract and retain talent within your organization. And like any great entrepreneur, he's had successes and failures and he's learned from his failures and uh, through a lot of self-reflection changed not only his management style, but learned to appreciate why um, you know, building values uh, and culture within your organization is critical to, to your success. You can uh, continue to follow Shirag uh, on his Twitter feed, which is at Shirag underscore, underscore Kul That's C H I R A G Shirag, uh, and then Kul is K U L K A R N I. He also has a uh, his own website. Uh and he's got two companies, Insightfully.co, and also C and M That's actually spelled out C A and D M Group.co. Uh, um, Brennan, you know, he's uh, really kind of pulled together uh, his entrepreneurial credentials. Uh, in in kind of a basic way, when he started out just saying that he wanted to solve problems, and then he was looking at TEDx videos on YouTube, I was like, "Wow, that's really kind of logical way to get into uh, entrepreneurship." That, that's I, I wrote that
1: down. Is you know, it's for as much time as you and I spend traveling, listening to wonderful speakers, reading books. Uh, you know, I've never got on YouTube and and looked around and because. Well, other than when somebody tells me to, I mean, we we listen to, um, uh, you know, a couple of when Simon people say, yes, I'm a cynic, or or whatever, but but those that's not where we ever go and you know you, we know we're listening. That's uh, a, we are really old, dude. We are really old. I, <laughs> I know that this is crazy to me, but do you realize how young this that Shrag is? He, he,
2: yeah, well, I mean, he just blew us away. I didn't realize how young he was. He's 19 years old. I mean
1: he, he sounds like he's like, he, I mean he, I mean the pitch of his voice sounds like he's younger, but the, the, the words that he says back to back to back make it sound like he's uh, you know 65. I mean, it, it's very hard to find people that understand this stuff. That's, that's incredible. And that really well, is a whole, whole – blown away, blown away.
2: Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of wisdom there, and I, you know, as you know, Brennan, you know, you can learn from anywhere, uh, and and I learned from him. I really, as you, uh, our audience probably noted we were pretty taken away with, uh, you know, his blog uh, that I asked him to go through kind of piece by piece. But, you know, I learned from there. I thought that there was great points in there. And, and, you know, he's done this, you can tell, because, you know, he has had examples uh, from both successes and failures. And, you know, he's got a lot going on. I mean, the guy is kind of all over the place, uh, but in a good way.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, that's that's impressive because uh, it just you know it, it's when when he made the comment about and you and I probably should go have a cocktail and reminisce about this. But he made the comment about tell me what you did in high school. I'm kind of like, God, God, I can remember what I did in high school. I mean, but then he was just in high school, like you know, like, <laughs> that's impressive. I mean, that's really exactly. impressive. <laughs> Holy, he started 17 companies when he was in high school, and uh, apparently that's uh Anyways, I uh, we're, we're we're making it sound uh, you know. A uh, little tongue in cheek, but it—that's, it, uh, anyways. I'm blown away. That's very impressive. Very mature. It's—it's uh, it's great that—great uh, that he's out there d- doing things for—for uh, for, uh, entrepreneurs and
2: in, uh, in the United States. Holy yeah. smokes! It, 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 but, you know, the, the things that I uh, – there's two things in particular that I was really impressed with. One is, is his willingness to give back. I mean, if you go to his website, you know, he offers free time, you know, to talk to entrepreneurs about their their startups. Uh, you know, he, he – uh, there's um, – there's opportunities for him to do speaking uh, in in different environments, which I think is great. That's something that we we have a lot of respect for. Um, and then finally is just this whole notion of you, you know, the, the core values and culture. I mean, that's something that uh, people don't learn until much later in their careers, and he's already figured that out. And uh, again, I think he's wise beyond his years, and I think that came through in, in his presentation here uh, today. Yeah, I was going to say he's wise beyond the multiple of his years,
1: but uh, like, that's – anyway, so I don't want to overstate it too much. But that's uh, – no, that's impressive. I had so many other things I was going to talk about, Jeff, and then all we just kept to was just ran on and on and on about Chirag. About, um, Sh- I-, I-, I think the concept of getting on and in, in, in finding speakers, finding topics and getting on YouTube is something you and I have going to have to put more effort into. The concept of using some technology to find board members and advisors is another takeaway, and I realize I'm pushing my time limit, Jeff.
2: Yeah, you are, but that's okay. A lot of good information in here. Uh, we always want our uh, listeners to think about what the organizations can be and not just what they are today and have passion for possibilities. Please tune in every even Monday. If five- even if you're even 19, I have passion even for possibilities. If you're 19. Please right. tune in every Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. Thanks for tuning in to
0: the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadillac and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.